Good morning, church. Good morning. And welcome back to our series, And Be Thankful. What a great series this is. We're talking about being thankful people and developing that thankful heart in our lives, not just at Thanksgiving as it approaches, but every day and every moment. We talked about being thankful for Christ. We've talked about being thankful for grace. And today we're seeing this correlation between being thankful and the peace that results in our life. And we need peace, don't we? Our world needs peace. I mean, it seems like every time you go online and you're reading the news or, you know, you watch the news and, and it's just like everything is about fear and worry and anxiety. And, and whether it's things like Ebola or ISIS or whether it's the stock market fluctuation or whether you look in your own life at relationships or finances or job. And there's always this insecurity that comes with when we concentrate on the things of this world. And it seems like the, the news, you know, kind of perpetuates that in our lives and the fear that erupts in us. And we long for peace. We long to experience that. And not just us, but, but our children or our grandchildren. You know, they grow up in this worry and this anxiety. And there's always this stress and this tension because of the fear in this world. And yet there's a God who steps in and says, I don't want you to live that way. I care about you. I believe in you. I want the best for you. And today we're going to see as we are thankful... What results in us is this incredible goodness of God's peace. A peace that passes understanding. A peace that can only come from God. And a peace that happens when we're thankful. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. It's so good. I'm so glad you're here today. Uh, we're going to be unpacking the Word of God. Or maybe you have a mobile device with you. You can access the Scriptures online as well and take notes there on version. Or if you have a worship guide, and we'll also put the words on the screen so you can follow along with what God's Word has to say. Colossians chapter 3 is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Colossae. And the amazing part is that the Apostle Paul wrote this from prison. He was in prison in Rome, his first imprisonment. And yet in every chapter of the book of Colossians, he says... And be thankful, and be thankful, and be thankful. And he keeps coming back to this idea of gratitude. And Paul could have said, you know, God, are you serious? I mean, I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm a good person, you know. I'm making good decisions for you. And I'm kind of, you know, trying to do good stuff. And here I am in prison. And yet he comes back and he says, no, be thankful, be thankful, be thankful. Because God is sovereign, God's in control, and God's got a bigger plan. Hold on to him. Chapter 3, verse 1. He says, hey, since then... You have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So the Apostle Paul says being thankful begins in our heart and in our mind. Being thankful begins in our heart and our mind. Now that is so contrary to what we normally think. That's so contrary to the way the world works. We think, you know, it's all about circumstances. We think, well, I'll be thankful when all my circumstances are right. Right? Well, I'll be thankful when, you know, I've got, uh, you know, things great at work or I get that promotion or I get that raise or I have enough money in my IRA to retire. I'll be thankful when, you know, things are perfect in my marriage. I'll be thankful when, you know, you know, I've got that perfect work-life balance whole thing figured out. I just got to tell you, you don't get there, you know. I mean, it just doesn't happen. It's not you're thankful for your circumstances, but you're thankful in your circumstances because what you're thankful for, Paul says, is set your mind on Christ. Set your mind on Christ. Here's the deal about our circumstances. Our circumstances change, don't they? They come and they go. Life can change on a dime just like that. Circumstances may be great today and may be terrible tomorrow, but Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the apostle Paul comes back and goes, hey, set your mind and your heart on Christ, on Christ. 
And we try to do everything else. We try to manipulate the external. We try to control everything out here and think that we're going to have peace. Think that we can be thankful. But God is saying to you and to me today, listen, it's not from the outside in. It's from the inside out. You start in your mind and your heart. You start holding on to Jesus with everything you have. You start growing deep in him. And what's going to result in that is peace. And what's going to result in that is being thankful. He comes on, he says, look, guys, come on, for you died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. He goes, you, you died your way of life. When you gave your life to Christ, as God drew you to himself and invited you into that relationship with him, you died to that old life. And yet we still go back and try to live the old life. He goes, you're a new creation in Christ. Your mind and your heart and your thoughts should be different. Let me ask you, what, what controls your mind? What do you think about when you lie in bed at night and you can't go to sleep? Is it earthly things? Or is it heavenly? The worry that comes over us, right? And yet 90% of our worry never comes to fruition, but we play it out in our mind over and over and over again because that's where we put our mind. And the Apostle Paul's going, no, 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 no. Set your mind and your heart on what God says about you, that your eternity is secure, that God is with you, that God is for you. Just one page before, if you're in a Bible, you can flip back in Philippians chapter 4 where the Apostle Paul's writing the church in Philippi. And he says this, he says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And so as you and I take an inventory of what goes into our mind and what goes into our heart, are they things of the world or are they things of God? He says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the peace of God will be with you. See, the Apostle Paul learned that as you and I are thankful in our lives for what we have, there's a peace that starts to develop in us. But yet most of the time, what do we focus on? We focus on what we don't have instead of what we do have. You know what I'm talking about? Well, I just don't have that job. If I had that job, or I don't have that car, if I had that car, if I had that house, if I had a bigger house, if we had one more room in the house, if we had one more this, if we had one more that, and we always are concentrating on what we don't have versus on what we do have. And what do we have? We have a God who loves us. We have a God who sent his son for us. We have a God who's given us life. We have a God who believes in us, a God who has a plan and a purpose for us. We have breath in our lungs. We have shelter over our heads. We have clothes to wear. We have food to eat. We are blessed beyond measure. We are so blessed. And yet in our lives, the worry and the fear comes when we try to manipulate the external instead of focusing on what we have on the internal. And that is that there is a God who calls us to be deep in Christ. He keeps going here, the Apostle Paul. He says, hey, put to death, Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Now, if you notice in all of those things, what is that about? It's about control, lust. I must have it now. Greed. I want more and more and more what I don't have. You know, he's like, yeah, put to death those things. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as anger and rage, malice and slander and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. 
Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Apostle Paul is going, listen, being thankful should impact the way you live. Should impact the way you live. And you lived in your old nature, but now you're a new creation in Christ. You should live differently, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Hey, stop right there. Think about this. You are holy. Holy means to be set apart. You are dearly loved. Now, I know a lot of times we think, well, God's upset at me or God's mad at me because I haven't done enough of this or I haven't done enough of that. But when you start to think about that God truly loves you and you are chosen, God called you by name. God invited you to himself. God has a plan and a purpose for you. He says, listen, you are holy. You are chosen. You are loved. Therefore, man, so good. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You know, when you wake up in the morning and, and you stand in the closet and you're trying to decide what you're going to wear, right? And you're sitting there, you're debating on which pants to wear, which shirt to wear. And, you know, you're thinking, what are people going to think about me? Does this match? Does this look good? And, you know, how are people going to perceive me by what I have on? And, and the Apostle Paul is going, look what you're doing. You're trying to control the external, right? You're, you're spending all your time on the external. And the Apostle Paul is going, clothe yourself on the internal. Because the internal is what's going to make a difference. Put on compassion. Put on patience. How often do we do that, right? Well, I don't have time to put on patience. I've got to hurry up and go. Come on, let's go. You know? I mean, we take the time to say, no, 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 no. It's what happens on the inside. And here's the fact of the matter is we grow deep roots, then the fruit's going to take care of itself. He goes, are you growing deeper in Christ? Are you holding on to Christ? Are you finding your worth and your value in Christ? Are you growing in Christ? Well, there you go. Then the fruit's going to happen in your life. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Now, as you look at those two lists, which more describes you? As you look at your life, do you say, wow, I mean, I'm more in that anger, you know, or that rage or malice or slander, or filthy language. Or do you say, you know, you look at my life and I, I see compassion. I see kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Now, not that any of us are perfect. We're all a long way from being perfect. But are you progressing? Are you growing? The goal of your life and the goal of my life is to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And as you and I are thankful, what begins to come out of our lives is this heart of gratitude and the, the fruit of the Spirit and this joy that can only come from God. As you look at your life, what do you look more like? What are you clothing yourself with? Verse 15, I love this. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And, what does he say? Be thankful. <laughs> and be thankful. You see, you and I, we have peace in our lives and, and peace results when we're thankful. As you and I are thankful, this peace comes into our hearts and our lives. And not just thankful, hey, when things are great, but thankful all the time. All the time. We can experience the peace that comes all the time. The peace of the presence of God, of living our lives in him. He says, let the word, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. What word dwells in you? What words dwell in you? Maybe you're still carrying around words that somebody said to you in elementary school, and man, it just hurt. And you, and you carry that around with you. 
Maybe you carry around the words from a, a coach or a parent, or maybe you carry around the words that your spouse said to you, but man, it has defined you. And you just carry that with you. And sometimes it motivates you, and other times, man, it just cripples you. And the Apostle Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And what does Christ say about you? Christ says, you are loved. You are mine. You were created for a reason and for a purpose. You are beautiful. You're the apple of my eye, the joy of my heart. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And man, it changes the way we live, doesn't it? He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts. Have you ever noticed that during the worship time? We all come in and we all have these different, you know, things going on in our mind. And maybe you had a battle with the kids this morning. Or maybe you were frustrated with your, your you know, roommates. Or maybe you were just frustrated with your spouse. And, and you're maybe you're thinking about college football or whatever else. But you come in and, you know, and everything's kind of on your mind. And then one song starts to happen. And then the second song starts to happen. And slowly but surely, it's like all those things begin to dissipate in your life. And your eyes start to look up. And you think about what God says. And you think about worship. And you find yourself just going, wow, God, you're good. And this peace that comes in your heart and your life. It's like, I need this. It's a refuge. It's a solace. I need to be here. He's like, as you sing worship songs, you know, music has so much power over us. And it can fire us up. It can get us, or it can calm us down. And he says, hey, think about that when you sing these psalms with gratitudes in your heart. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. He keeps coming back. Be thankful, be thankful, give thanks, be a person of gratitude. And if you and I were to go to the people around us and say, hey, do you think I'm a thankful person? I mean, what would they say? But see, where it starts is this. It starts in here. It starts in our heart. It starts in our mind. It starts in our relationship with God. And as you and I grow deeper in God and we become more thankful for God, then the peace results in our hearts and our lives. It's not about the circumstances. It's about Christ. And then the relationships that we have peace in those relationships is we're thankful for the people around us. And that's why it impacts all of our relationships. And so the Apostle Paul keeps going and says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Women are like, yeah, there you go, you know, wives, submit to your husbands. But every time you see that, what does it follow up with? Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, love your wives. You know what? That's powerful because that word love right there, it's unconditional. It's a sacrificing love. That's real love. Husbands, do you love your wives like that? Are you thankful for your spouse? Here's what I'm convinced of. I'm convinced of this. Is that the problems in our marriages today, they're not really problems with our spouse. They're they're problems with us. Because when we're not settled in our relationship with God, then we're frustrating everybody else. Because we're not at peace. And when we're not at peace, we go in and we're angry or we're upset or we're mad. And it just brings havoc into the household. And so God's saying, look, 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 dive deeper into me. Hold on to me. Trust me. And it will spill over into everybody around you. We had a great marriage retreat this weekend. It was awesome. It was just really wonderful. We were 
praying together on Friday night and Saturday morning and Saturday afternoon and just being there. And I was talking to this couple. And they, they have been through, I mean, they have been through it. Wow. I mean, just listening to their story and I mean, just on the brink of divorce and then coming back together. And, and they said, you know, we, we started coming to church about two years ago. And it's really, we just saw God changing us. And, and they go, we've tried everything else. We've done everything. And we just thought it was over. We just thought there's no way we we're going to make it. But then we saw God work. And the husband said, you know, I went to Moldova on the mission trip this summer and I, I went and, and while I was there, I mean, God just did something. It was the greatest week of my life. It was the greatest week of my life. And he goes, I saw the difference. I saw people who had nothing and I realized how much I had and I realized how blessed I was. And when I came back, he goes, I got to tell you, there hasn't been a day since that I have not been in the word. And I've read the Bible every day. And he goes, our marriage is in a, a great place. He goes, we've never been in such a good place in our marriage. And then I started thinking, I wonder if it's because I'm reading the word every day. I'm like, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, there's this relationship that happens. And he's like, it's awesome. And, you know, and I'm just talking to her and to him. And I'm thinking, yes, it works. I'm telling you. I mean, and that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. You try to manipulate everything else out there. But the real battle is won or lost in your heart and in your mind. And it's true in all your relationships. He keeps going. He says, hey, children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Are you thankful for your children? Are you thankful for your parents? Are you thankful for the people around you? When you're thankful for them, something different happens in your relationship with them. You're not trying to manipulate them. You're not trying to change them. You're just being thankful. And then there's peace in that relationship because your foundation and your worth and your value comes from Christ and not what anybody else says about you. And he goes, hey, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. And you're like, okay, great. I'm off the hook on that one. You know, I mean, no, let's think about it. Back then, slaves were paid. So what if we put it in our context of employees, obey your earthly bosses in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Wow. Are you thankful for your boss? Are you thankful for your coworkers? And when you're at work, are you a thankful person? Are you a person at peace? Or are you a bear? I mean, you know, he says, whatever, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Think about that. In everything, in all of our relationships, it's the Lord Christ that we're serving. That we live our lives for an audience of one, and it's not anybody else. It's Christ. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for wrong. There's no favoritism. Masters provide your servants with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master, capital M, in heaven. <laughs> that you and I are different because you and I are called to be men and women of Christ. And when you and I are thankful, what results in our lives is peace. Peace with God, but peace in all of our other relationships. It's not about our circumstances. Those change, those change, those change. But Christ stays the same. Where are you in your relationship with Christ? Are you growing deeper? Isaiah 26, 3 says, He will keep in perfect peace. Him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. You want peace in your life? Be thankful for who God is and for what he's done for you. I want you to hear this morning from 
two amazing people, Leo and Rebecca Ostrom. Leo is our worship pastor here at Rolling Hills and just an amazing man of God. He loves the Lord so much. And um, Rebecca's wife, and I want them to come this morning and to share with us as we talk about being thankful, as we talk about being people of peace and, um, and what that means for us, not just our circumstances, but being in Christ. And so, Leo and Rebecca, I'm so glad you're here. I really am. I just love your heart for the Lord and the difference that you make already here at Rolling Hills. And just tell us a little bit about your family and can you kind of give us an overview? Sure. Uh, this is my wife, Rebecca. <laughs> Most important part. Um, We've been married 33 years, November 28th. <laughs> um, That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. We've got three beautiful adult children, and uh, Aaron, our oldest, our son, two daughters, Megan and Melody. And we lived here 21 years, mm-hmm. moved to Chicago for nine years, and have come back. And now we're reunited with our family, and as God called us here to Rolling Hills. So wow. and it's a blessing being here. Well, tell us about... Um this tragedy that happened in your life and in your family with Megan. Can you tell us what happened there? Um, we were in the Chicago area, and as many times we uh, would come back and forth to see our kids and our, our family. At that point, we had one grandchild, Olive. Now we have three. Um, but it was one of those quick road trips, and Leo was supposed to come with me, and there was an emergency at the church, and so he couldn't go. I was still going to go, um, and at the last minute, Megan was free. Um, she didn't have to work that weekend, and so we kind of threw her in the situation, and she said, you know, yeah, I'll go. So she jumped in the car with me, and it was on the way back, the nine-hour journey back. Uh, we were on an old back roads uh, country highway and an hour from home, and my back was hurting, and I hadn't let her drive up to that point just because I'm stubborn. Um, I liked her being my co-pilot. She was like a comedian in a chair. And so, um, but I had pulled over and asked her to drive the last hour. And um, she said, I will drive, but I am singing with Celine Dion. And she plugged her iPod in and cranked it up. And for my family, we all know what that means. It was loud and she's wonderful. Um, we put our seatbelts on. I gave her her bearings, which she knew already. Um, and we got back on that county highway late at night. And out of the blue, we were the only car on the road until an SUV showed up and was barreling for us. Her driving, she tried to get off um, into a tr- turning lane and then into the shoulder. And um, it was evident what was going to happen. And at the last minute, she turned the wheel and took the brunt of the hit and sacrificed her life for mine, which is why I am here and she is not. Um, our car spun. We ended up in the cornfields um, in the pitch black, and I thought she'd been thrown from the car, and she hadn't. Um, I uh, realized that she, um, by God's grace, was kept in the car. Her front seat had become the back seat, and she was basically hanging by the seatbelt. And um, as crude as that sounds, I thank God for that, that he kept her there for me. Um, I was injured. It was later that I found out I had seven broken ribs and uh, whatever. Um, but uh, I couldn't move, and God gave me arm's length to my daughter's face. And I was able to talk to her and pray over her and talk to the Lord. And, and um, it was apparent she was no longer with us. Um, 
A few minutes later, uh, I realized outside of the engine rearing and the belt spinning and the burning of oil and whatever else, um, that I didn't hear anything out there. And so whatever happened out there, whoever hit us, I didn't hear anything and realized I was the 911 call. And um, found out later that the guy that hit us had passed out at the wheel. He was so drunk and doesn't remember anything. Um, before I called 911, though, I wanted to call Leo. And uh, I thought it would be my last words to him, but I needed to hear his, his voice. And um, I wanted to be the one that told him what had happened and to fight for his daughter because she did nothing wrong. Leo, how did you, how did you see God? I mean, how did you feel God and know that Christ was with you even in this dark, dark time? Well, uh, much like all of the storms in life. I mean, it was like a tornado. I mean, it was, it was crazy. There was, I, you know, when I got the call that Rebecca was talking about, I didn't believe that it was really happening. You know, I, I, I thought I'd misunderstood or I just was in denial until I got there and, and saw what had happened. And so, you know, it was a tornado, Jeff. It was, it's hard to think, it's hard to feel, it's hard to uh, do anything except survive. And in that survival, you know, God, because he's promised to never leave or forsake us, made himself known by leaving what we call fingerprints, mm -hmm. you know, just evidence that he was indeed with us in this and that we weren't left alone to have to deal with this storm. Mm -hmm. Tell us about what, I mean, tell us about the watch and what some of the fingerprints that you saw. I'll let you. Uh, that quick was so, uh, the trip was so quick, um, that Megan chose to leave her designer watch that we bought for her, um, that she wore for work and special occasions. She left it on her vanity and um, it wasn't until after the hospital when I got home that our youngest daughter uh, said, Mom, here's Megan's watch. You might want to put it away so it doesn't get, you know, lost or something. And um, I said, I'm going to wear it. And it was soon after that my breath just like escaped me because her watch had stopped at the very minute the accident took place. And she was taken instantly. So the very minute her life was taken, the watch had stopped. And it was at the house. It wasn't with her. And in the grief and that darkness, it, Psalm 139 kept coming back to me. And that's my life scripture. And it, it, God just reminded me that her book was, her name was written in his book before her body, before she was ever formed. The days of her life were ordained by God. And we have hung on to that so strongly. There were many, many other fingerprints. I just quickly, I have my Bible here, and it's, it's crazy. If you tried to pick it up, all kinds of things would fall out. But they're tabbed. The yellow is, is trust scriptures, and pink is good. And, oh, my gosh, it's just tabbed full of stuff because I was desperate. Uh, we found, we knew she was a journaler, um, passionate for the Lord, and I'm a journaler. My kids are. And... I started reading her journal writings and totally tapped her journal, this latest one, and um, started seeing that passion that she had for God. And God used his word mm -hmm. in so many different ways. I had this incredible um, 
capability to remember scripture all of a sudden. And it was just carrying me day by day. I found out yesterday's manna was not good enough for today. And God was faithful to pour out today's manna for me every day, even now. Her word, I had her word. We had the body of Christ that we have never experienced before serving and ministering to us in so many, many ways. And I just have to say this because in those dark, dark places, and am I broken? Absolutely. But I'm not destroyed what the enemy meant to harm and for destruction. God has redeemed. And I love Job 22 where he says, my ears heard of you, but now I have seen you. I have seen the grace of God and this peace that you can't explain except to say it's God. Because I have been on that cliff and he has so many times pulled me back. And I thank him for that. This series is perfect for that. When you said deeper in Christ, I'm like, oh my gosh. Because I am drinking from a deeper well now that I have never experienced before. One of those huge thumbprints outside of being carried by the grace of God, by his peace was Joe, the other driver, was not a believer. He could have died that night. He didn't. The neat thing to me is her paternal post. Um, some, a friends of ours, pastor friends, set up a Facebook group page, and I have um, realized these passionate letters of journals full of them that people needed to hear this. They needed to see this. And I started posting some of her journal entries, and the impact that her life has had and that these letters have had has been amazing. So much that one of the, the other driver, his friend, contacted Joe and said, You need to know this girl whose life you've taken. And he sent him copies of some of her journal entries. And Joe has since given his life to the Lord through her writings. I mean, what kind of God is that? Because I couldn't have come up with that on my own. That's so out of the box. That is a huge, huge fingerprint. He wants to be a chaplain now in prison ministry. I mean, come on. So I always think people don't understand my praise and my brokenness, but how can I not? How can I not worship this God that has saved me? Amen. Leo, um, somehow you sang at Megan's funeral. How, how in the world did you do that? Well, the prodding of a wife and the Holy Spirit. I. You know, we, um, the producer for the church that I was, that I was uh, at at the time, uh, she and I sat down and we designed a memorial service and we had, you know, friends, artists that I'd traveled with or whatever come in from all over the country, fly in just unannounced, and so they were willing to help. And so we just, you know, we put together a program and I took it to Rebecca. She was still in the hospital and, and I gave it to her and she said, uh, well, where are you singing? And honestly, guys, I kind of got angry because it was like with all this stuff going on, it's like, really, you want me to sing? And and so I left there with that, just saying, well, let me let me think about that, you know. And I left there, and the Holy Spirit just got a hold of my heart and said, see if I can choke this out. You mean you're willing to sing a song like "Blessed Be Your Name," you know? When the sun is shining down on me and all is as it should be and bless your name. And then on the road marked with suffering and all that, you'll sing that one day, but you won't sing it on a bad day. And it was like, I knew just as a statement of a Christ follower that I needed to do that. And 
as Rebecca pointed out, my, our daughter was a worshiper. And she said, Megan would want you. This is a celebration for her. And she would want you to sing. And so the prodding of my wife that caused me to just stop and listen to the Holy Spirit. And, and I got up and sang, Blessed Be Your Name. Wow. And Aaron and Melody joined me on the platform, so it was kind of a public family statement that we were going to serve. Wow. What have you learned from all this that you can share with us about being thankful or having peace, even, even in the darkness, even in times like this? How can you do it? How can we do that? The biggest, one of the biggest things that I've learned through this, I mean, we, we've talked about this. It's almost like even doing this interview is like drinking out of a fire hose a little bit. There's so much that God has done and so much uh, that we could talk about. But the very first thing that God did with me personally, and I didn't even realize the intensity and how much it would mean to me until after the fact, but happened when I was, came to the emergency room. When Rebecca made the phone call, I, I get the news, I go to the emergency room, and and I walk in and the coroner says, confirms what I wouldn't believe, that our daughter had, had uh, was not alive anymore on this earth. And so I was just like, it gripped me. And then, but yet I saw my wife on the gurney and at her, at her bedside at the side of the gurney, I was literally stomping my feet and yelling out loud in utter grief. And in the same moment, lifting my hands and thanking God for my wife that was still alive and with me. Now, that could only happen because of the root that you talked about. If there wasn't that root there, I don't think thankfulness would have come out of me. But because it did, it connected me in a way that I can't even describe. But it, it, it was like thanks is really for us to be thankful because when it directs our attention, our importance, our worship to a God that wants to help. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. And yeah. I didn't realize just how, um, how much that was going to play in, in, my, in our journey. And both of us, thankfulness has been huge. And it's, it's almost like Christianese to say yes and, and be thankful, right? Mm-hmm. But it is our connection point to our life source. Well, Leo, Rebecca, thank you for sharing. I know it's not easy, but I want you to know how much we love you guys. What a difference you make in us as you just share your heart. Thank you. Church, we don't know, we don't even know what the day holds, much less the future. But what we do know is this, is that God is with us. And God promises to always be with us. And that when you and I have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, his son, that through him and through him alone, can we truly be thankful? And can we truly experience peace? And I don't know where you are today. And maybe today is the day that you're, you're hurting or you're broken. Maybe today is a day that you just need to worship and just say, God, I'm yours. Thank you, God, that you're with me. Thank you, God, that you're for me. Thank you that I'm not out here alone. Or maybe today is a day you just need to to tuck away in your heart. Because we don't know what's going to happen, but we know this, that God promises to never leave you or never forsake you. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. And we, we live in a fallen world, we will. But Jesus said, take heart. Take heart, I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world that our God is greater. 
I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment, right where you are. Has there ever been a time in your life that you've said yes to God? There's been a time that as God prompts your heart that you've given your life to Christ and said, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I'm tired of trying to manipulate my circumstances. Jesus, I want you, I want you to be my foundation. Maybe today is a day just of salvation. Responding to Christ. Maybe today is a day where you just go, God, thank you. (laughs) I'm in a good season and thank you. But God, even if a hard season comes, I'm going to hold on to you. I'm going to hold on to you. Is there peace in your relationships today? It comes from being in Christ. It comes from being in Christ. So Father, thank you for Jesus, the author of salvation. Father, the one who is working in our hearts and our lives right now. God, you are the perfecter of our hope. And you are the giver of peace. And so today, Father, teach us to sing, to be thankful even in the hard times. Teach us what it means to follow you all the days of our life. We know, God, that eternity awaits. We know, God, that there will be one day when you will wipe away every tear from our eye. Where there will be no more pain and no more sorrow. Father, until that day comes, that we can truly say, blessed be your name. God, we give our lives to you. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen.